Welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of the Michigan Realist, a podcast from a fan for fans of the University of Michigan sports with a little bit of a realistic twist. Try to keep it realistic twist. This is episode 10, a Sparty recap. And you can find this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and of course, Apple Podcasts as well. Welcome back to the show. Like I said, this is episode 10. Uh, it is a bye week for Michigan, so we're going to do things a little bit differently this time. Uh, we're just going to look back at Sparty this week, and then we'll get into the uh, Penn State preview in next week's episode, uh, because obviously we're not playing this weekend. Penn State has a game. Penn State has a very difficult game, I think, uh, with Iowa coming to town. Um, so that should be interesting. So things could definitely change. You know, we don't know what... Uh, Penn State's going to do, when they, how they're going to show up, what they're going to look like, have no clue, so we're not going to go ahead and preview that game until next week, plus we have some things on our end that we're not sure of and who's going to be back uh, here on and here forth, so uh, we're going to wait for the preview part, but I do want to go ahead and look back at the Sparty game, Woo! okay, uh, like I've been mentioning, this is our uh, triple threat portion of the season. We're now two for two. Uh, you know, of course, beat Wisconsin, and now we uh, conquered Michigan State. Moving on from that. Um, definitely a Michigan State, Michigan type of game. Um, just kind of kind of have a weird feeling leaving, you know, leaving the game. Um just felt like Michigan totally dominated the game, yet it's only a 14-point win. I'm not complaining about that. That's that's the whole realistic point of this show is it's college football. Wins are wins, and these are games that we have not been winning in near future, or excuse me, in near uh, past. So it's good to finally get wins like this, and it's good to sort of kind of assert ourselves back as to who uh, things should be, kind of restore the, uh, the order of what's, what should happen here with the Michigan-Michigan uh, State thing. Um, five takeaways from the game. Uh, just, you know, tried to pick out the five most, uh, uh, not influential, but things that sort of stood out about the game. And the first thing that popped to mind is, you know, Michigan's good season we've got going here. I'm wondering, is Ben the reason? No, not Ben Mason. I'm not referring to Ben Mason being the reason for our success. I'm wondering if Ben Herbert is the reason. Uh, Michigan's new strength and conditioning coach that came in uh, over the offseason and has had these guys since January, I believe, uh, December or January. Uh, how many games have we had in the last few years when all we needed to do was chew some clock and just secure the win and, and, and secure the game. And we haven't been able to do it because we've kind of, we've, we've lost, uh, you know, we weren't as well conditioned. We weren't as strong. We weren't as tough. And that seems to be a little bit different. You know, call it what you will with Michigan State's struggles on offense. I get that. But Michigan State has a pretty decent defense. Um, you know, and they, they've stopped a lot of teams and, and they've got some good players on defense and we held the ball for 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. 
That's been unheard of from Michigan here recently, and it's good to see that because that's what you need, especially in the Big Ten, and especially as you get the end of October and into November, having the, and on the road, having the ability to do that is huge. And I think that hopefully speaks to the strength and conditioning. It appears to be better, so that's awesome. So Ben Herbert, maybe he is the reason. Um... I didn't realize it, my, my second takeaway, I didn't realize it as it was happening, but there when, uh, when Shea hit Nico Collins uh, for the first touchdown of the game and that first pass uh, and touchdown reception, I didn't realize that was the first touchdown pass Michigan has had against the Spartans since 2011. Holy crap. 2011. Since we threw a touchdown pass, um, you know <laughs> that speaks to where we have been in the last decade or so. Uh, you know things have been down for sure. Um, you know uh, the 2016 game that we won. Um, a lot of a lot of that was done on the ground. Uh, that was when we were <laughs> kind of toying around with Jabril, uh, putting him in different situations and kind of running him wildcat and doing that and Devian Smith as well. And we did a lot of that on the ground. You know, that's how we scored. Um, back in the Hoke era when we won that game, I think it was 12 to 10. I mean, that was just a field goal fest and not really a very, uh, offensive, uh, thrilling game. And, and we have not been able to do that. So since 2011, hadn't thrown a touchdown pass against Sparty. And here we are, we finally get one actually got two, um, you know, and, and, and piggybacking off of that with, with Shay, you know, a couple of missed throws, I'm not going to lie. Had a couple of missed throws. Uh, I will be honest at listening to other podcasts through the week, uh, Michigan related. I, it seems as though, you know, folks that have watched the All-22 video of the Michigan State game noticed that there were a few plays where, where Shea missed some guys wide open. Um, apparently Donovan streaking down the middle of the field had nobody on him at one point, and, and Shea missed him, uh, as in didn't see it, didn't even throw him the ball. Um, you know, and then uh, there was another occasion where there was a wide open person, not even checked, not even covered, that Shea missed. You know, it, I'm sure that happens a lot each game. It's not like uh, we should expect perfection. Uh, this is not me slamming Shea Patterson. It's not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, my point is going to, what I'm going to get to is that, you know, even with those missed reads and he had a couple of missed throws and look, we had a couple of lucky bounces. Uh, you know, Shea had some missed reads on some of those uh, read option plays, you know, where he could have easily held onto the ball and taken off for many, many yards. Uh, one of which he would have had another run like he did uh, the previous week where he took off for a long distance. Um, so he missed some reads there. It's good to have all that negative stuff and we still thoroughly dominate a game, um, this game. Even with all those issues, all those things going on, we still dominate the game. That's what matters, okay? Things are not going to be perfect. No team is truly perfect. Uh, you know, the, again, reiterate, I'm not slamming the quarterback here. That's why I'm doing this podcast. It's because of uh, for folks who do slam the players when they don't do things exactly and perfectly how they think it should be done. But my point is, with, with all those missed things, it's good that we can still come away from this game where I did not feel as though, even when the game was tied and it was close, I had no 
worrisome feeling that Michigan State was going to win that game. Um, now, with play on the field, I'm not going to lie, where there were some things that happened where I started to think, you know, maybe this is a, this seriously is a curse or something, and we just can't get over the hump, you know, uh, when, when Chris puts it on the turf there inside the red zone and they recover the fumble and they get, that was their only score was when they had that short field. You know, I'm thinking, here we go. Here we are dominating this game and turnovers are going to play a key role here and we're going to end up losing it. Um, you know, when you take out the luck factor, I never really felt as though Michigan State had a chance in this game. And it's good to see that. And it's good to establish that dominance. I love it. Um, you know, that's all you can imagine. or That's all you can hope for uh, is being able to play like that. And so a good job on their end. Uh, my third takeaway was, you know, thinking back to the SMU game this this year where we had more penalty yards than they had rushing yards was pretty amazing. Again, I didn't know whether to be happy or sad about that. Um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Uh, you're racking up so many penalty yards. However, you're holding the other team to, you know, a little amount of rushing yards. Um, that was amazing in itself. And then we come out and this game on the road in East Lansing against a rival, we had more penalty yards than they had total yards, okay? SMU, we had more penalty yards than they had rushing yards. This game, we had more penalty yards than they had total yards, okay? That is outstanding, all right? Um, I, I could not believe that when I saw that, uh, you know, and, and, and what we were able to accomplish with that. Um, Again, it was one of those things where you're wondering, well, is this a good thing or, or a bad thing? I, I, I don't know. Um, we had nine penalties for 99 yards. They had 94 total yards in this game. Uh, th- that's amazing. Uh, now, like I said, most of them were personal fouls. And with some of the, you know, some of the pregame stuff and all that, you know, there was definitely some emotions were flowing in this game. You can sort of kind of look beyond some of those penalties and you sort of understand them. Um, so, you know, moving on from that, that was it. Hey, it's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, bottom line, you're holding a team to double-digit yardage in 2018. I mean, the way college football is now and the way football is in general, it, you're holding a college football team, a ranked college football Power 5 team, to double-digit yardage on their own turf, that's pretty effing, you know, uh, amazing uh, and pretty impressive. And that definitely is uh, something I'm, I'm loving and, and love seeing. And that piggybacks onto my fourth takeaway from this game is that Don Brown remains the best hire that Michigan football has made in some time. He is absolutely unreal. Uh, and the best part about this is that defense travels. Uh, you, you know, sometimes offense, you know, things can happen and things can pop up, whether it's weather, atmosphere, things like that, where offense can kind of be, you know, stagnant and can sort of, you know, be limited. Uh, defensively, it's a lot easier for a defense to travel, um, no matter what the elements are. And Don Brown brings it, man. He has got something. He's got a formula figured out. And he is riding that formula with some of these players. Um, you know, we're doing this without our supposed 
uh, best defensive player we've got in Rashawn Gary. Uh, the guy filling in for him now leads our team in sacks. I mean, you know, it's just so many things coming out of this. You know, our secondary is routinely rated pro football focus as, you know, the top secondary, if not the top performing cornerbacks. You know, uh, the D-line is playing well. Chase Winovich is week in, week out, just making himself more and more money uh, with each game, you know, in the NFL because he is he's a tremendous prospect right now. Things are going well. You know, this game... Uh, one of Don Brown's, I saw a long time ago in, when Don Brown was doing a coach's clinic, he had put together some stuff, you know, he was telling coaches that he likes to stress with his team. And one of the things was, you know, get off the field on third down. Well, they did that. Uh, Michigan State 0 for 12 on third down in this game. Uh, you know, th- that's pretty amazing. Um, and then you can even throw in the, the one fourth down they went for. They were 0 for 1. So 0 for 13 on third and fourth down in this game is pretty, pretty amazing. And, and again, the 94 total yards. Uh, yeah, God, what else? Uh, with the 15 yards rushing. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, a little under 19 minutes of total time of possession for Michigan State. Uh, 2.8 yards per pass. That's just, uh, he's just putting up ungodly numbers with these players. And like I said, he has been Michigan's best football hire in a long time. Yes, Harbaugh, has, you know, is coming around and he is, he's finally starting to see the fruits of, of his labor, hopefully. hopefully. Um, and especially, I'm loving some of his actions this week. Uh, with regards to what's been going on with you know this whole pregame nonsense, which we'll get to in a second, uh, and so Harbaugh is definitely up there, but but Don Brown, I mean, since Harbaugh has been in you know been here, one thing that has not lacked has been the defense, and Don Brown, uh, for the most part, has been in charge of that. You know, uh, DJ was in was in charge his first year, but since Don Brown has come aboard, I mean this this defense is lights out and hopefully they can continue to do that uh we've got a lot more tough big 10 games coming up and we'll see what you know where we go from here so anyway that was my fourth takeaway don brown keep it up uh my fifth takeaway you know i like i mentioned earlier i'd listened to so many podcasts about you know this past game in you know other formats michigan related of course and I couldn't help but notice the the time and effort devoted to this whole pregame nonsense. You know, um, if you're not sure what it was, it was Michigan doing, or excuse me, Michigan State doing their whole, I think they call it the Spartan walk or something. They lock arm in arm and they hold hands and do whatever. And they, they walk the entire length of the field together. Well, I guess usually they do that when there's nobody else on the field uh, there were some Michigan players on the field warming up. Michigan State claims that they were that Michigan was told about the time uh, issue and when they would be doing the Spartan walk. Michigan has no clue about what they're talking about. the The athletic directors are commenting, saying that they're you know they're not sure what's going on, and there's just a lot floating around. And of course. They do this pregame walk, and of course you've got, these are college kids, 18 to 22-year-olds, a lot of testosterone. Um, 
uh, you've got some running into each other and there's some you know, brawls start and, you know, Devin Bush was already fired up from last year's game and some of the things that were said to him and what's been said to him in the offseason by some of the Michigan State players. Uh, you know, uh, he got fired up a little bit more. <laughs> he goes out there and um, starts scraping up the Spartan logo, which... I had no idea. I, I didn't know that a couple guys had to go out there afterwards and repaint all the sections that he had he had scraped up. I didn't even think to look when the game was going on, you know, what that logo looked like in the middle of the field. But I thought that was great. I mean, that's rivalry stuff. Um, you know, that's going to happen. However, he, here's the problem I have. This felt completely orchestrated by Michigan State, okay? Um, D'Antonio, when they were doing it, you know, he has that little smirk on his face, and he is right behind his players. He knows what's going on. He knows what's about to happen. He completely orchestrated this thing, and he's loving it. Um, he's trying to play head games, which I get, okay? Michigan State has gone decades and decades getting their ass kicked by Michigan. And finally, they're in a decade where they've had a lot of success. They want to keep it going. And I think they feel like that's slipping away. And there he is, five yards behind his players with that little smile on his face is what's going on. Um, and then he's got the nerve after the game to deny that he has any recollection of what's going on and says that's just total BS. Uh, you know, check the Fox cameras. Well, many people did check the Fox cameras. And sure enough, there you are, dude. And you're smiling about it. And you know exactly what's going on. I, I, I don't know. Just dumb. All right? It's dumb. I am by no means saying that Michigan is immune to this because we've done some dumb things as well. I.e., just go back to, I forget the year, was in our lovely Hoke era, uh, the pregame stake in the field in East Lansing. We put the st we drove the stake in the field as this, this was going to be our turf, and then we went and got our asses kicked, um, and we took an ass kicking. And then our coach Brady Hoke at the time went out and apologized for the whole stake in the field incident. Okay, how demoralizing and embarrassing is that? Uh, again, this is during the Hoke era and the Dave Brandon era and this is the this was about the time when Michigan was uh, what they were selling like 12 packs of Coca-Cola would get you a ticket into the game um that's how bad it got and it was during that time and it just wasn't a good sight uh but we're out there and we and, and our head football coach is apologizing for a little antic we, we did here this guy is just total denial, you know, they do nothing wrong, nothing is wrong in the case, you know, I, I love how it's just a different, you know, different mindset when it's Michigan doing anything, you know, out of the ordinary or out of sorts, it's, you know, they have no respect, but then when Michigan State does it, they don't seem to think that that's the exact same thing and that they, you know, it's, you know, Michigan has a lack of respect, it's, it's always what, you know, how do they dare to do that? Uh, how do they dare to prance around our field with Paul Bunyan? How do they do that? Well, they do that because you guys have been doing that for the longest time. Um, Harbaugh even came out this week and did a, uh, a little interview with one of the local uh, Detroit sportscasters, kind of a one-on-one -on -one interview, and they got to talking about you know the, the game and what had happened, and he was very adamant about, you know, for so many years... 
back when he played, year in, year out, year in, year out, when we had this well, this game, this rivalry game, the Michigan-Michigan State game for Paul Bunyan's trophy, Paul Bunyan, it, the trophy stuff was always done in the locker room. It was always done in the locker room. And you can go back to footage you know, from very you know, previous years, and sure enough, it is. It's, it was always a locker room thing. It wasn't until D'Antonio got here where this became a let me celebrate on the field thing with the trophy. Well, now it's okay when Michigan State is winning the trophy and they're celebrating, but it's a problem when Michigan does it. Come on, get it together. Uh, you look pathetic. It's embarrassing. Uh, it's dumb. Just get over it. Just own it. Say, yeah, yeah, I wanted to try to get in their heads and try to get an advantage in the game, and it didn't work. It fell flat. Enough said. You'd probably gain a lot more respect. You'd probably get a lot more from your players, and I think that that would kind of help you out in the long run. Um, you know, don't try to orchestrate these things. It, it, it just it, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels orchestrated. It looked orchestrated, uh, especially when you're back behind them smiling and giggling about the whole thing. It, it, it just looks ridiculous, okay? If you want, if you want to look at real pregame rivalry stuff, go ahead, Mark, and Google 2013 Michigan versus Ohio State. And just go ahead and watch the locker room scene, okay? No orchestration whatsoever. And that's complete rivalry intensity right there. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's some of the Ohio State players are filing back in the locker room and people are trying, you know, Michigan's behind the door getting ready to come out of the door uh, into the locker room or out of the locker room and it just so happens that the door's open and the Michigan players still see some Ohio State players and immediately just start yelling and shouting at them and the entire team's in it and then Ohio State players hear that coming so then some of them come out from out in the locker room they come out and you've got the whole pack of players in a tight little space here just jawing at each other um, going at it you know, we lost that game, but God, that was great. Uh, you know, that was the year that the dude got ejected and he flipped off the fans. And then uh, uh, I believe it was the same year that uh, it was the one point game. It was the it was the forty two to forty one game where uh, I want to say <laughs> I want to say Ohio State had like nine hundred yards of offense that day, and we couldn't stop them at all. And then for some reason they couldn't stop us, and it was just back and forth, and you know got down to the end, and you know Hoke went for two, and Ohio State called a timeout, and then Hoke went for two again with the same exact formation, the same exact play in which the Ohio State defenders are calling out what the play is going to be to Drew Dilio, and sure enough, where'd the play go? Drew Dilio, they knocked it down, we missed out. We lose the game. Anyway, got off on a tangent there. The whole point was that's real rivalry stuff there. And that's the real stuff that makes a rivalry authentic. Okay, don't you can try all you want to orchestrate this. You can go back to Mike Hart's comments about little brother and things like that. The fact of the matter is, is at the time Mike Hart did that, he was a college kid who made a comment about something you really seriously took a college kid's words and turned that into a decade of hatred in which you've looked, you made yourself look like an idiot here. Um, yeah, you might have won some games against Michigan. Okay, good deal. Newsflash, Mark. Everybody was beating Michigan in this time. Okay, we kind of have done this to ourselves. Uh, not so much you. So get it together. If you're going to pull stuff like this, at least own up to it. That's my take. That's enough said about that. 
Okay. Uh, and that's it. That's it for the Michigan State game. I'm glad it's over. Uh, you know, it was one of those, like I said, going into the game, was worried because of the whole head game thing. I mean, Michigan State, to me, you know, I don't, I'm obviously not a player, so, you know, uh, but as a fan, you sort of feel like a team sort of has your number. Um, and I'm looking at you, Ohio State, I kind of have that same feeling like you have our number. Uh, and no matter what we do and no matter if we should win the game, you just kind of feel like prior to that it's not going to happen. Well, when the game kicked off and I saw what was coming and things like that, uh, I, I really felt way more comfortable. Um, you know, one thing I didn't mention, should have put it in my takeaways, was Lewerke. Uh, you know, going into the year, he was probably a top three, top four Big Ten quarterback and just looked awful in this game. Uh, now comes out, you know, that he's, he's really dealing with the bad injury and um, – you know, wasn't a hundred percent. I get that, and he was. You know, the elements were pretty bad. You know, it was windy, it was rainy. Um, you know, things weren't exactly perfect. So, you know, he had some of that going on. But I just, I didn't think he would play as bad as he did. And obviously, I think that really helped because there were some slants. I do remember, I do recall many slants uh, where receivers were open and the passes were just off. They just weren't connecting. You know, a lot of overthrows. Uh, I don't know how many third down throws it felt like. Uh, they weren't even, like, there wasn't even a shot. Like, they were thrown way out of, you know, 10, 15 yards out of bounds. Um, I don't know, just just not a good performance there. Uh, but it does worry me about games coming up in the future. You know, when we line up against McSorley and, of course, Haskins, at the end of the year, you know, are they going to hit those throws? Because some of those throws are there. And if you get them at the right spot, they're going to be able to connect. So we got to tighten that up maybe a little bit. Uh, but other than that, all in all, great game overall. 21-7 win. We'll take that every day. Uh, we can win every single game 21-7. Doesn't matter. A win is a win. And let's move on. All right, uh, this is where I normally would give the uh, preview of the next opponent, but like I said earlier, we're going we're gonna to hold off on that until next week and go ahead with my take of the show. Um, you know, and my take of the show, I kind of already touched on one, uh, but I'm going to go back into it in a second. Um, I've got two of them, two takes this week. And the first one is is dealing with, I've already mentioned him this earlier in the, in the pod, uh, Rashawn Gary. Um, this is interesting. This is becoming an interesting thing um, because we're going to, you know, let's see. Let's just see what the nonsensical fan base is going to say about Rashawn Gary if he doesn't come back this year, okay? Because here in the last few weeks, Nick Bosa from The Ohio State, uh, or formerly The Ohio State, just did the same thing where he had an injury and looked at his future and said, you know what, I'm going to be a top draft pick. I really don't need to wear and tear my body anymore because I'm almost guaranteed to be a top draft pick. How about I just shut it down and, and you know, call it quits uh, for the year and just focus on my my draft status for the NFL. I personally have nothing wrong with that. If I was in the kid's same position, it's basically like holding a winning lottery ticket 
and deciding, do you put it in a safe or do you put it out in the elements? And maybe it gets blown away. Maybe it gets rained on. Maybe it goes up in flames. I don't know. I got to think that it's not it's not a big issue. You know, if if the kid really truly it's going to take so long to rehab an injury to be back at full 100%, you might as well just just, you know, shut it down and focus on your NFL career. All right. Well, all these nonsensical Michiganders started saying, "Well, you know, I you know, that's that's just too bad they're going to miss him, but you know, no Michigan men would do that." Well, guess what? Yeah, they would. Okay. Uh, I don't know or I don't expect him to hang it up or talking about Rashawn Gary. I don't expect him to hang it up. I don't expect him to come back this year. I have no idea what he's going to do. Okay. I do know that when he was playing, he was busting his tail and he was busting his tail and he clearly appeared to have some issues with that shoulder. Yet he continued to play. We got into our biggest games of the year and he could not play. That speaks volumes because Rashawn Gary is a competitor. All right. I've once seen this kid chew out a scrawny, <laughs> a scrawny 5'11, uh, never going to play probably D3 football white guy in a high school football camp because he wasn't going hard enough in drills. That's the Rashawn Gary. Uh, that has been at Michigan, and, and he is fired up. He wants to be out there, okay? Now that the end of the season is getting ever so close, it's kind of becoming more and more a reality that the NFL draft is available next year, okay? And if he's got this shoulder issue, he's got to. I mean, he, it, it would be dumb not to. He's got to look at it as, you know what? I don't. If this thing could get worse, I don't know if it's the best idea for me to go back out there in amazing blue uniform. I I don't I don't know. Um I'm not sure. You know, whether he comes back or doesn't, let's not lose our minds over it, okay? Like I said, this kid is clearly a competitor and he appears to bust his butt every game. If he has that injury that continues to nag him and has the possibility of getting worse, he should have every right not to return. And he does have every right not to return. He's still going to support his teammates. He's still going to be there for Michigan. Just relax. We'll be okay. This is a PSA to all these nonsensical, unrealistic Michigan fans who I know are going to lose their minds if he comes out or it's found out that he's done for the year and he's not going to play again. Just relax, okay? He's got bigger things to worry about uh, than this. He really does. You know, I hate to say that. I love Rashawn. He is an awesome competitor. But at the, at the end of the day, the kid is an NFL talent, and he needs to look out for that dream. Okay? With that said, like I mentioned earlier, the guy who kind of fills in on his spot at some points, uh, Josh Uche, is leading our team in sacks. So... You know, like Don Brown. You know Don Brown's orchestration here is definitely working. You know, it's it's not like Rashawn is putting up monstrous numbers and and you know multiple sacks every game. He's not. He's not doing that. Uh, his stats are not that great at all, actually. So, 
you know, and that's nothing against him. This is, uh, you know, a lot of things go into that. He is constantly double and triple teamed. Uh, he has got to be the most held defensive lineman that never gets called. Uh, you know, it's almost like the referees have decided, okay, this kid's bigger and stronger and faster than the lineman he's going up against. So let's give the lineman a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And that's not fair. Uh, it just seems like there's something going on there. Bottom line... If he can't come back, relax, everyone. It's not the end of the deal. Please don't go tweeting at the college kid. Don't go writing to the college kid. Don't go speaking publicly publicly about the college kid and his injury and how he ruined our championship year for you. No. Shut up. Let him do what he's got to do. It'll be okay. All right? And then uh, final take I wanted to get to was was back to this whole rivalry thing, okay? Look, there's some pretty nasty stuff that's exchanged between fan bases when it comes to rivalries, okay? Obviously, our two biggest, Ohio State and Michigan State. I'll be honest, one of those rivalries feels very different to me than the other, okay? And some of you might say, well, yeah, duh, Ohio State's definitely our big rivalry, and Michigan State's kind of a lower-tier rivalry. I get that. I'm not really talking about the level of importance and things like that. I'm just talking about the overall feel of this, okay? I kind of feel like Michigan, the Michigan State rivalry has been turned into a rivalry that has almost zero respect for one another, okay? And again, people can say that Mike Hart began it all with his comment, but again, he was a college kid, a college senior, I believe, maybe a junior at the time, I forget, uh, when he made that little brother comment. If Mark D'Antoni wants to take the words of a college kid and get his feelings hurt, that's fine, okay? If he wants to make this game their Super Bowl every year, that's fine. We already have ours, okay? But don't do all these antics and then turn around and claim Michigan has no respect for things. It's ridiculous. D'Antonio has created this, all right? Uh, this is not something that that is uh, usual for Michigan. Michigan is appearing to have zero respect for this because that's how they've been treated in the last decade. Okay, It has been flipped and turned in a different direction. And yes, Michigan State has won more often than not in the last decade. And they have not acted like they've been there. And they've done some things that when all of a sudden the favors return to them, they can't handle it. Okay, That's why Michigan players have zero respect for Michigan State players. It's because of D'Antonio. He's made it this way. All right? That's how it is. All right? Something struck me last week, and this is the reason I'm mentioning it again in my take of the show. Something struck me from last week with regards to this rivalry, okay? And rivalries in general, all right? If you can, and you can remember a lot of games in the, in the uh, past here from Michigan, I want you to think back to the Ohio State game a few years ago. Uh, I forget the year. I want to say it was 2014. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was the uh, it was the year Ohio State won the national championship. So it was 2014, the Ohio State Michigan game. It's in Columbus. It's the year that JT breaks his leg, and he's obviously out of the game. He's out for the year. Uh, it's not looking good. All right. While he's laying on the field, injured, being tended to, who's over him, giving him words of encouragement? 
It's number 98 for Michigan. It's Devin Gardner, okay? He's kneeling over him, having a conversation with JT, probably giving him encouragement, say, dude, it's going to be all right. Things are fine. There he is. That, this is one of the, it's argued as probably the greatest rivalry in sports. And here you have members of opposing team in a, in a moment where one side's best player or one of their best players is out for an, with an injury. And we think enough, our captain goes over there and is talking with him, kind of easing his mind, you know, because they relate to one another, all right? That's respect. That's respect for one another. Now that you got that image in your head, I want you to go back to last week, okay? The Michigan-Michigan State game. One of Michigan State's best player, if not their best offensive player, if not their best player on the entire team, Felton Davis, wide receiver. He goes down with what is clearly an Achilles issue. He's done, okay? He didn't even get off the line on the snap. Uh, it clearly gave out on him, and you knew immediately when you saw the replay it was an Achilles injury. I could have told you that from 3,000 miles away. It's an Achilles injury. He's done. He's out for the year, okay? Not one single Michigan player ever went over to him. That's the stuff D'Antonio is responsible for. Michigan players can't stand him so much that it spills over to the field, and there's no respect between the players, it seems. Um, that doesn't mean you have to love each other. That doesn't mean you have to like each other. Uh, but in the Michigan-Ohio State game, there's some respect going on there. And obviously they hate each other. But when the game's over, you know, they're kind of both in the same boat and they're kind of dealing with the same things, all right? Uh, and there's there's a level of respect there. Are you going to have years where it doesn't seem to be there? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, different things happen in different games. Different things are said. Different players are involved. There's a lot that goes into it. But overall, there's a lot of respect between those two. It seems like there is zero respect right now between Michigan and Michigan State. And I don't want to necessarily say I'm proud about that. Uh, but I do want to make it clear that I believe D'Antonio is responsible for all of this, okay? He has been the one that has made this what it is right now, okay? And that's fine. If that's how they want it to be on there, that is okay. Like I said, the Michigan-Michigan State game is their Super Bowl every year. That's great. We've already got ours. We've got another one we focus on more. Uh, but if, if it's yours, that is okay, all right? But you can't pull this nonsense where... When something when when another team disrespects you, it's like it's the, it's the only thing that's happened. You've never done a bad thing in your in your life. That is not the case. Uh, and again, if that's how it's gonna be, that's how it's gonna be. But I just hope that people, non fans, you know, outsiders, not fans of the other team, looking in, I hope they can see that, and I hope they can understand that this rivalry is at the point where it is right now because of Mark D'Antonio. Okay. And by the way, I, I love the Big Ten's response, okay? <laughs> Classic, let's just hammer Jim Harbaugh here. Uh, Harbaugh calls D'Antonio out for a trash move. The Big Ten agrees it's a trash move, proceeds to find D'Antonio, and then proceeds to reprimand Harbaugh for pointing out the trash move that they agree with. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, 
Uh, all right, yeah, nothing to see here. Yeah, we're going to reprimand old Jimmy for doing our job and calling us out and, and or calling uh, D'Antonio out, and then we're going to punish the guy for what he's complaining about, and then let's go ahead and reprimand Harbaugh for doing it. Uh, really? Is it just because it's Harbaugh? Uh, if another coach out there does that, if old Herbs does that, if James Franklin does that, uh, if you know whoever it may be, is the same thing going to happen? I hate. I'd like to say yeah. I, you would think that it would, but I I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, there's some there's some hatred for Harbaugh out there from from other people just because he does things the way he does. But you know, is what it is. That's what it is. We're going to move on. That's my other take of the show. This rivalry business just sort of feels like there's a uh, lack of respect. And, and, I, and I, I think there should be some respect there um, when you have these major rivalries. Uh, because when it comes down to it, you're in the same boat. You're the, you're the same from the same mold. Uh, you know, Ohio State and Michigan are so close to, you know, uh, to being the same thing. Um you know, the level of program and things like that. And, you know, same ages, obviously, these college kids. It's it's the way it's going to be, it, and there should be some respect there. And I just feel like the Michigan State, there's there's no respect. And I'm not sure I'm proud of that. But D'Antonio's fault, blaming it on him, okay? All right, uh, final thing for this show is just want to go around the Big Ten real quick. Um, I started really doing spread picks last week where every, every game was basically a spread pick. Uh, still had a pretty solid week. Went 5-2. and two. Uh, Not bad. Uh, Maryland uh, not scoring a point didn't exactly help. Um, not sure what's going on there with the Terps, which is uh, kind of influencing my pick for this week. But uh, either way, 5-2 and two last week. 23-5 and five on the whole year. Uh, again, I'd love to say that it's been an entire year of picking against the spread with that, but that's not the case. A lot of those were just straight-up picks. And let's face it, there's been some games this year that were pretty easy straight-up picks. But I've had some good knockoffs um, there. So, anyway, uh, back to last week also. Not sure what to think of last week's Ohio State-Purdue game. Um, you know, that was one of the games I won. I expected Purdue to cover. Didn't expect Purdue necessarily to win. Um, I thought they might win. I didn't expect them to win by 29. Uh, I, I did not see that coming. Um and, and I'm not sure, I'll be honest, I didn't see many of the play-by-play, you know, of that game. Just kind of going off what people have said and, you know, the box score and, and different stats like that. I, I never would have thought I would I would see or hear of a Scarlet, a Scarlet and Gray throwing the ball 70-plus times in a game. Oh, my God. 70-plus times. That's That's not... Urban Meyer, that's not who he is. I don't believe that's what he wants. Um, I I understand Haskins is a talented passer, but just because that's the case doesn't mean you should chuck it around that much. And I mean, I look on the year too, and J.K. Dobbins is only in the five hundreds so far in, in yardage. Uh, you know, hundred plus carries, and he's only five hundred uh, something yards. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on there. Don't know if this was an aberration or what you know what the case is going to be. I don't know, but I kind of feel like uh, something is off. I just don't know what it is. Um, does that mean it's going to be off for the Michigan game? Absolutely not. No, it's a different, <laughs> it's a different animal. It doesn't matter uh, when it comes to that game. 
but we'll have to wait and see. Um, one thing I did notice on some plays where Haskins was kind of pressured and flushed out of the pocket and things like that, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he likes that. Uh, now, obviously, no quarterback that's not a a runner, you know, likes that, likes being quote put on, you know, being put off their spot. But it kind of seems like Haskins is is he's almost uncomfortable almost, uh, and doesn't know as much what to do. And I don't really know if that's him. I don't know if that's me being harsh on him because I've watched JT Barrett for four years, uh, be able to, uh, you know, take that snap right away and just just pound it up the line or you know, uh, you know when he's going for a pass, pull it and and run, and and pick up some some good solid yards it just doesn't seem like that's going on with Haskins and I don't know if it's if it's a product of they're not putting him in that situation or if it's him or if it's he's just not JT Barrett in that sense I don't I don't know it just seems odd to see the quarterback of Ohio State look that way and I don't I don't know what to think of it so we'll have to watch them a little bit more closer or closely as we get down the stretch here towards Old November twenty fourth, uh, the big one, and um, you know we'll see what we'll see what they have then. But uh, you know, to Ohio State's credit, nobody's playing better than Purdue right now. Uh, they're playing better than a lot of people. You know, yes, they're four and three. They've lost three games. Lost three games to teams they probably shouldn't have lost to. Maybe the Northwestern one. You know, that's one of those opening night things, though, and you're not sure if what the deal is there, but. Even the losses, they didn't get blown out of anything. They've only lost their three games by a combined, I think, seven or eight points. So they're playing well, and now they're, they're throttling teams. The offense is, is picking up. Um, Rondale Moore is is an animal. Uh, he seems very talented. <laughs> uh, he seems like he knows what he's doing uh, for the youngster. And, you know, Purdue's got a lot got a lot to look forward to. And maybe they'll get to a challenge in the West here. Um, and get something rolling. Although I think uh, Brom is going to be on his way out. He'll eventually end up at Louisville. But I don't know. We'll have to see. It'd be nice to get Purdue up there. And, you know, it, the Big Ten West is – this year's kind of been refreshing. It's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a competition. You know, with Iowa and Wisconsin and Northwestern and now Purdue, they're all in the game. And it sort of feels like, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, it's the East that really is not, you know, it's not a competition. Uh, it's you kind of feel like it's either a Michigan or Ohio State this year, uh, with the way things are falling. And you know, here in the next couple of weeks, that could we could almost be in a situation where that's going to be guaranteed that it's going to come down to Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, you know, it's not quite yet, but if Penn State drops another one, and you know, Michigan State does whatever it does. We could be in a boat where that last game definitely comes down to winner gets the East. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Anyway, uh, moving on to this week. Uh, we've got Minnesota hosting the Hoosiers. Okay, hosting the Hoosiers. Uh, the last line I saw on this uh, as of 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon, Friday the 26th, uh, Minnesota's favored by a point and a half. I, Minnesota's kind of been a Jekyll and Hyde team, and they've kind of, you're not sure which Minnesota you're going to get. Uh, but at home, 
a point and a half. I'm going to take them. I think they win by a field goal or so. Uh, so I'd go ahead and, and pick Minnesota to cover. Uh, Michigan State now gets Purdue. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ohio State just got to deal with Purdue. But that was at Purdue. was under the lights. It was the featured game for ABC. Uh, you know, there was a lot that went into that game. And that kind of worries me for Purdue's sake because it's real easy to have that happen where they go and blow out Ohio State and, you know, move on to the next week and maybe there's a letdown going into it. However, Purdue started playing well before then, so it's not like it's a new thing. Uh, it's just hope maybe a confidence-building thing. So I think they're going to be able they're going to be all right. The game is in East Lansing, but I'm not impressed by anything Michigan State has to offer uh, offensively, and I don't know if their defense can hang with uh, Rondell Moore. Um, you know, uh, I, I think Purdue's going to be able to throw it around on them. You know, now weather could be a factor. I, I get that, but uh, I, I'm going to go Purdue. I think I think Purdue's going to win this game, uh, even in East Lansing. I think it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Purdue uh, plus one. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Wisconsin Northwestern. Uh, Wisconsin's favored by four. This is at Northwestern. Uh, however, I believe Alex Hornibrook is not going to play in this game. So that uh, he's not. I don't know how to put this. He's not the. Uh, he's not a quarterback that you know. You're going to miss out on a ton of stats with, but he is a leader of that team. And on the road, you know, you're throwing in the backup quarterback. I don't know. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Northwestern to cover. They're plus four. You know, I could see them uh, easily covering that. Um, you know, because it's uh, like I said, it's this is now you're getting into these games that matter for the West, and they're going head to head. And Wisconsin Northwestern is definitely one of those head to head games where you know the winner is going to put themselves in a much much better position than obviously the loser. So we'll see how that goes. So we'll go Northwestern plus four on that. Uh, Maryland seventeen and a half, seventeen and a half point favorites hosting Illinois. Uh, Maryland worries me about, you know, I know Iowa's defense is good. They have a solid defense, but still putting up zero points against Iowa, you got to put up something. Um, all the news with Durkin's coming out now and you're not sure what's going on there. So now this is thrust in the, into the forefront. I don't see Maryland losing this game, but I don't know if I see them covering by 17 and a half. So I'm going to take with Illinois to cover. Not necessarily win, but Illinois to cover that 17-and-a-half-point game. Could see Maryland winning by a touchdown or by 10 or whatever it may be, but uh, I'm going to take Illinois to cover just because of so much going on in College Park. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. College football. College football is weird. Uh, and then the final one, you could argue the big one. I mean, you think about it. This is a pretty good Big Ten slate. And it's ironic that both Michigan and Ohio State are sitting this week out. Um, there's a lot of good games in the Big Ten this week. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, the final one is Penn State hosting Iowa. Um, you know, last time we saw Penn State, they were getting beaten by Michigan State. And Iowa was shutting out Maryland. And, you know, I, that defense of Iowa, who knows what Penn State's going to have. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa to cover. I don't know if they'll win, but six points is a lot. And I I think this is a... 
Kirk Ferentz and Mark D'Antonio seem very similar to me. Not in their personalities, uh, you know, but but their coaching styles, more or less. And I got to think that Kirk Ferentz is looking at what Michigan State was able to do and Penn State not be able to do. And, and even with Penn State's success, they weren't able to convert on some things. I kind of think uh, that's going to be – Ferentz is going to be looking at that and saying that uh, why not us? Why can't we do the same thing? I, you know, I think the way they're playing right now, Iowa's better than Michigan State, honestly. And I'm going to take Iowa plus six in this one um, to sort of round it off. Uh, so to recap, I'm going to say Minnesota, favored by point and a half. I'm going to take them. Purdue's plus one. I'm going to take Purdue. Uh, I'm going to take Northwestern plus four against Wisconsin. Uh, going to take Illinois plus 17 and a half on, against Maryland. And I'm going to take uh, Iowa plus six against Penn State. A lot of uh, a lot of underdogs this week I'm going with, with the exception of that uh, gopher game. Um, them being the only favorites that I'm going to pick to win. Uh, and that's it. That is going to wrap up this episode. Uh, you know, I, I hate these bye weeks because, you know, it really uh, makes me feel like, you know, the end of the season's coming up and that's not a good thing. You know, I want more games to come up and here it is on Friday and I'm getting pumped for Saturday and there's no amazing blue on the field on Saturday and that's kind of a kind of a downside. But uh, like I said, a great Big Ten slate to make up for it. A lot of games I'm looking forward to. Should be a fun Saturday. Um, again, remind you, this is the Michigan Realist uh, podcast from just a fan, regular old fan. Tim Zellwanger here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Been a uh, pretty much lifelong Michigan uh, sports fan and uh, University of Michigan sports fan. And just love talking uh, Michigan sports, especially football. And just uh, been doing this podcast this whole year. It's been great for therapy. I really enjoy it. Uh, very therapeutic. And uh, looking forward to closing out the rest of the year here. Uh, but, again, I hate these Saturdays when Michigan's not playing. But we're going we're gonna to soldier through it. We're going to make it happen. Uh, also, a reminder that you can find this podcast on Anchor, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Um, and that is it. Uh, you know, hopefully, uh, if your team, uh, I'm assuming would be Michigan, so they're not going to be playing, but if you do happen to have a fan of another team, good luck to them, but most especially go blue. Welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of the Michigan Realist, a podcast from a fan for fans with a little bit of a realistic twist. My name is Tim Zeltwanger, and this podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Apple. Welcome to the show. This is episode 11, the Penn State preview show. Uh, of course, Michigan coming off their bye last week, did not play. I was 
kind of a sucky Saturday. Did not, uh, weren't able to see the old maize in blue. Uh, a lot of teams were off. Uh, Ohio State sat last week out. Um, uh, Alabama, LSU, their big tilt coming up this weekend. Both of them sat last week out. So uh, must have been a bye week for, uh, or a popular bye week for many to have. Um, and so because Michigan did not play last week, usually I would have my five takeaways about the Michigan game. I've got five takeaways. I've actually got six takeaways from all the Big Ten action, all the games that were played instead. Uh, it was a pretty good, um, you know, Michigan not playing sort of, uh, well, not sort of, it was terrible. However, uh, it was kind of cool to have all the different Big Ten games on, and you really got to uh, kind of hone in and watch and kind of focus on uh, other games and not have to worry about having a rooting interest. So, I've got some takeaways regarding those games. Start off uh, takeaway number one, uh, Maryland and Illinois. Uh, they played last week, and they uh, were not shy about the offense. Uh, over 1,200 yards of offense in that game, almost 100 points scored. Uh, this is Big Ten football, baby. Not, not really. Uh, good for Maryland, though. Good showing. Uh, you know, heading into last week's game, all the speculation abound uh, with DJ Durkin and others. Of course, that whole story took a, another twist this week, um, which was pretty amazing. Uh, wonder how that's going to affect the game coming up this week against Sparty. Uh, but uh, it was good showing last week. Um, you know, it's good. It was good for them to get away uh, from the whole distraction of the whole coaching issue. Play a good game. Um, almost had 300 yards passing. Good deal. I, uh, I, if you remember when Maryland and Michigan played, that was one of the things I had noted was, you know, if Maryland got some semblance of a passing game, it would make things a lot easier on them. And uh, they definitely struggled with uh, when playing Michigan because they were so one-dimensional. So good on them. Uh, good game for Maryland. Getting the win, getting the W at home uh, before a big one this week against Sparty. Uh, takeaway number two deals with the Iowa and Penn State game. Man, Iowa did everything it could, it seemed, to give this one away. Um, if you looked at the time of possession, it was almost 36-24 to 24 in favor of Iowa. Uh, they had more yards passing. They had more yards rushing. Um, they had the same amount. Of, both of them had two turnovers. But um, Iowa took one back for a touchdown. They still happened to lose all right um you know a crucial crucial interception coming down the stretch there uh with uh, with iowa stanley that interception in the goal to go situation not a good situation for them and you know when you're on the road in happy valley it's not a good spot and iowa couldn't capitalize penn state did penn state holds on gets the victory which honestly it was probably the best thing for Michigan fans to have Penn State win that game. Um, now, one would say that maybe down the road, they're, Michigan's going to play Iowa, but you know that's not a guarantee. I'm not not worried about what might happen. I'm worried about what I know is going to happen. And one thing I know is going to happen is we are going to play Penn State. So we need Penn State to have the best record possible going into that game. So it ended up being good that Penn State was able to hold on. Uh, takeaway number three was Wisconsin and Northwestern. Um, not a bad showing by Wisconsin, you know, backup quarterback. They just, look, they just lost a tough road game against a well-coached team on the road. 
I mean, I mean that's that's what it was. Northwestern is an extremely well coached football team, um, and because of that coaching, they are in control of their own destiny. Uh, now it does seem like everybody in the West still has to play each other. Uh, you know, besides this Wisconsin Northwestern, obviously they played last week, but it seems like everybody else, the Purdue's, Wisconsin's, Northwestern's, and Iowa's, are all basically going to play each other here in the next few weeks, and things are really going to sort themselves out. So, uh, not a bad game there. Uh, was, uh, Northwestern, good on them. Uh, again, we played both of these teams, so, you know, one of them obviously has to lose. So, uh, you know, all around, not a bad game. Uh, really impressive with uh, Northwestern able to do that and and do what they could at home. Nice job on them. Uh, takeaway number four, uh, the Purdue-Michigan State game. Well, the, uh, the Purdue thing didn't last long. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Michigan State pretty much had control of this game the entire way, uh, almost two to one in time of possession. You know, you have to wonder... Had Michigan State not lost a tough one against Michigan the week before, you got to think many more probably would have picked Michigan State. But, you know, Michigan State loses that tough one against Michigan, and Purdue, their last game, they blew out Ohio State. So everybody's on the Purdue train. Um, not how it works. And, uh, you know, things came back to, down to earth. And Michigan State kept it rolling. Um, one thing that was, it was just a classic letdown game for for uh, Purdue in my mind. Um, and in terms of Michigan State, I really was impressed with uh, the kid Lombardi. Uh, he was much better for Michigan State at quarterback. You know, I, I don't know what was up with Lewerke. If he still had that injury from the uh, Michigan game and why he wasn't feeling great or 100% in that game. But the kid Lombardi seemed to do uh, really well, and they played much, much better, and things worked out way better for them. So good on them, Michigan State getting the victory. Again, good for Michigan because we have played them. So more wins for those teams that we've played, the better off we are. All right. Uh, takeaway number five is uh, the Minnesota-Indiana game. <sighs> meh, meh. Uh, Minnesota-Indiana. I don't know. Uh, and then my, my takeaway number six is, uh, yeah, like I already mentioned, Northwestern is in the driver's seat in the West. Um, you know, they beat Iowa, uh, or excuse me, if they beat Iowa and then not trip up against Minnesota or Illinois, then they are heading to Indianapolis. Who knows who they're going to play, but uh, they're in control of their own fate. Um, Michigan's in control of its own fate. Uh, Ohio State's in control of its own fate. So, you know, a lot of teams can fit that uh, situation and are, are in the same situation. But in the West, it's only Northwestern. So good on them. Good for Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Big Ten Championship will have two teams that have never been in it. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So anyway, those are my uh, takeaways or the uh, Big Ten action. Again, I'd rather have takeaways of a Michigan game, but... Big Ten football, all those games, it's about, you know, the only the, the next best thing. So we did that. Uh, next, I want to get into my preview of Penn State. Uh, Penn State, talented roster in many areas. A lot of good players. Uh, the one thing that stands out, though, is this is not last year's team. Okay, and, and yes, it's Saquon Barkley is the big, you know, 
no longer their guy. But, you know, Mike Gusecki, uh, the tight end, he was a big part of it. Um, a lot of defenders are not there anymore. So this is not the same team. You know, they're a little bit banged up, a little beat up. Uh, McSorley, the big one, he uh, seemed to take us some knocks in the Iowa game. So I don't know how his uh, knee or leg's going to be, whether he's 100% full go. Um, <clears throat> that would be bad for them if he's not. Uh, but, you know, the kid's got senior leadership. He's, uh, you know, they've got loads of young talent else on offense. You know, the question may end up being how dinged up is McSorley. So we're going to have to wait and see on that one. <clears throat> Assuming he is, he is okay, excuse me. Assuming he is okay, we don't allow Trace McSorley to scramble or get yards with his feet. Okay, just get good containment on him, and then don't let K.J. Hamler loose uh, where he busts off a long one, or Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is a youngster uh, at running back, but he's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with him and some of his running. Uh, nothing that Michigan has not faced before, though, and you'd like to think that the defense will be able to contain this offense that is not having Saquon Barkley, does not have Gusecki, does not have Moorhead calling the plays. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, both teams, their offensive leaders are very compatible stat-wise. You know, all the way from the quarterbacks, what they're doing, to the running backs, to the leading wide receivers, things like that. Everything is pretty, pretty comparable across the board. Um, so that's, you know, something interesting there. Uh, Don Brown has been on the record. It's been a big deal this week. Uh, he said on the record that last year's Penn State debacle has given him nightmares. Um, and he swears he's not kidding about this. So, uh, you know, I, I he's a pretty good defensive coordinator. And, you know, if you get him motivated to right the wrongs in certain areas, you got to wonder what, what might happen here. So um, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, as smart as he is, I have to assume that's bad news for the Penn State offense. Um, you know, granted, again, Joe Moorhead's gone, which I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, the, the, the drop in production. I don't know if that's more... Saquon Barkley not being there, or or whether it's uh, more Joe Moorhead not being there. I have no idea. Um, but it, both of them being gone, it is definitely providing some sort of effect, and it is hurting them in a negative way. All right. Um, next thing, coming off a bye, you know, Michigan coming off a bye should be a good thing. It's not always a good thing. It's always pretty uh, assumed that when teams come off a bye, they're... they're um, they do well, but that is not always the case. All right, there have been by teams, our uh, teams coming off a of bye that have certainly lost. So you know, you, you'd hope it's a good thing. You hope you just hope there's no flat game by Michigan, no flat game by anybody, which could happen. You never know. Um, again, this team does have a different feel to it, and it it feels like they are on a mission. Um, and that's kind of my last thing here. Uh, they're clearly clearly seems to be some substance to this whole revenge tour that a lot of the players have been talking about. Um, you know, this revenge tour has sprung up. Uh, they, they're making, they've got t-shirts for it. They're, they're making shirts. Um, I kind of like to get one. But <laughs> but they're, uh, you know, going back to last year, they're, they're looking at all the teams that they played last year that they want to go and get a little bit of revenge for. 
uh, for what happened. And they're already two for two. You know, they already got the revenge on Wisconsin and Michigan State. Now there's two left, all right? We're, we're not going to play South Carolina, hopefully, okay? If we are, that means something went bad and we're in a not-so-good bowl. But um, there's two more that we are definitely going to go get and hopefully uh, try to get some revenge on, obviously Penn State and obviously November 24th. Um, but it, it just with what the players are saying, it, it, the way they're acting, Chase has been very outspoken about this, you know, uh, the team seems different. They're, all the players are getting along, playing for each other. You go back, some of the stories that were coming out of some of the Brady Hoke-led teams, and team the team wasn't really together, and it was kind of divided, and there was different you know factions of the, uh, of the squad, and just no cohesion. Doesn't seem like that's a case here. I mean, it's everyone from the offense, defense, special teams, you know, seems to be getting along, you know, it's there's all sorts of cliches that point towards this team being united, you know, whether that's really happening or whether that's just a product of winning, you know. Winning does that. Winning makes people feel better about themselves, and maybe that's all that's happening here. I have no idea. Uh, one thing I do know is that motivation goes a long way for college kids. So this whole revenge tour thing, I really got to think, this is a big deal to them, okay? Now the the flip side of that whole revenge tour is we, you you got you have all these thoughts and all this direction and all this focus on getting revenge on these four teams we're going to play. However, what that may do is leave you vulnerable or open for those other games that are left that are not part of this revenge tour. You know, you know we've got Penn State and Ohio State left, but we also have uh, a couple games that they sandwich. We've got uh, Rutgers going to Rutgers, and then uh, hosting Indiana. You know, I, Rutgers, I'm not sure what to even say or think about that. It's it's Rutgers. Uh, however, Indiana. Indiana is one of those schools that you really are never fully comfortable playing. Okay? You you, you think you're going to win. Like, you, you always go into the Indiana game thinking you, you've got the W. But they always seem to do something to make it seem a little bit off. Okay, and make you make you squirm just a little bit before you're able to take full control of the game. So you got to worry about that. Um, you know, all this focus on the revenge tour. It's awesome. It's great. It's obviously working. Okay, they're blasting both of the two teams they've played so far, Wisconsin and, and Sparty. Um, so hopefully that continues. We'll have to wait and see. I have no idea. But four games left. Four games left, not just these two big rivalry games or these two big, um, you know, showdown games, revenge games. There are four games left. Got to be focused for all four of them. We'll see. You know, but that motivation is definitely something that that will propel college kids to doing a whole lot of good stuff. Okay. Um, speaking of the motivation factor, just take the kid at Wake Forest. Um, Colburn, I don't know his first. I don't really know his first name, um, and I didn't know the story until this was talked about. But uh, the kid for Wake Forest, the running back Colburn, uh, had a scholarship to Louisville. Louisville pulled it with a couple days before signing day. Well, the kid ends up signing with Wake Forest. Well, he finally got to play Louisville last week, and he went for 243 yards and three touchdowns uh, <laughs> against the Louisville team that pulled his scholarship. Okay. Nobody had heard or nobody would have thought that this Colburn kid was going to ever run for 243 yards in a ball game. 
he just did, and it just so happened to be a team that he was probably a little bit pissed off at. So motivation can do funny things, and if that's what's needed to get these wins against these big teams, by all means, be the motivation and go ahead and get those Revenge Tour shirts going and really play this up as a Revenge Tour. That would be awesome if the motivation gets you there. Okay. My final prediction, I think that the it's being at Michigan um, off the bye week, a lot of players rested. I think we're going to bring in a lot of players that, uh, you know, possibly Tariq Black's going to be back to play. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't. I have a feeling that Rashawn Gary's not going to play again, but you never know. Um, we'll have to wait and see on him. Uh, there are some other team, other other players that were a little bit banged up, not really injured, but but banged up that could use a uh, good good week off and get kind of refreshed. Um, with all that, with the focus, with the drive, with the motivation of this team, with the defense we've got rolling right now. I think Penn State's in for it. I think Penn State's a little banged up. You know, I think that Iowa game took a lot out of them. Like I said, Iowa kind of, I don't know if dominated is the right word, but they, they kind of held their own in that game and, and really took it to Penn State. They just couldn't capitalize in key situations, and they made some dumb mistakes. Um, but I think Penn State's a little beat up from that game. And Penn State's kind of a younger team, and... When you get to the end of the year with these younger teams, you start to really wear down, and the college season really starts to take its toll. You know, just see Michigan last year down the stretch with them. They, a lot of young players were not ready for this college uh, football season, and as they got towards the end, they were kind of wearing off and wearing down, and it really hurt the performance. With all that said, I think this is a double-digit victory for Michigan. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Michigan 27, Penn State 14, though I could see Michigan scoring a lot more points than that. Um, I just have a feeling about it. You know, Penn State, Penn State's a good team, but sometimes there are just uh, too many things going against you uh, that uh, it really seems to hurt, you know, your performance. While that's true, like I've always mentioned and maintained, college football is weird. So, yes, there can be some weird things happen. And maybe Michigan comes out flat as can be, flat as a pancake, and cannot do a single thing and has nothing to show for. You never know. That might happen. No idea. But with all the other factors, I cannot see that happening, especially especially with this team and this squad. Um, I'm going to go, like I said, again, Michigan 27, Penn State 14. All right, we're uh, rolling through the show here. Only a couple more things. Uh, like I said, we're not we're not reviewing a thing that happened in a Michigan game. They didn't play last week. So we are kind of going quick this week, which is fine. You could do a quick show. You could use a quick show. Um, I do want to get to my take of the show. Um, this was a big week for college football because it was the first playoff rankings. Uh, the first playoff ranking came out. Um, again, I, I don't know why, uh, well, I do know why, you, you know, why we do this. It's only the end of October and we're already breaking out playoff rankings. Um, I know it drives ratings. I know it helps, uh, games coming up. I know it, it creates talking points. It creates content. I understand that. However, I really think the committee, all they're doing is, they're setting themselves up to look like hypocrites. You know, they, in other words, 
it's going to be very hard to them to always stick to the same criteria and give the same reasoning for why one team is ahead of another or one team's behind another and they're kind of leaving themselves open to this criticism when they have these playoff rankings this far in advance you know i would say ratings aside and all this you know content and drive and all that i would say wait a couple weeks and then throw out the playoff rankings all right because immediately right away You've got two teams in the top four who are literally playing this week, Alabama and LSU. So that's already going to throw a wrench in this playoff ranking. So I don't know. Wait a couple weeks. Get some of these. uh, You're not going to get all the big games out of the way, but get some of these big games out of the way, and then we can go from there, and then we can start to see what's going on and how things are going to shape up. You know, from a Michigan perspective, it's October, guys. All right, there's a lot of football to be played, and I'm sorry, but we, as in Michigan, okay, again, I'm using that pronoun we, even though I have nothing to do with the football program. It's just easier to talk that way. We, as in Michigan, don't need to gripe about our placement. Okay, we're put fifth. We were put fifth. We were ranked fifth. That's awesome. That's great, okay? Uh, Personally, if we were ranked second, if we were ranked tenth, if we were ranked fourth, I don't care. It's October, okay? Think of where Michigan football has been for the last decade plus. Just think back to some of the seasons we have endured in the last decade plus, okay? I'm sorry, but I would certainly hope that Michigan fans have other things on their mind, okay? Like maybe let's beat Penn State first of all, okay? Let's go from 7-1 and one to 8-1. and one. All right, let's get to 8-1. and Let's get to that point. All right, let's worry about November 24th, okay? Let's worry about maybe possibly being in an actual Big Ten championship game, okay? Let's do all that before we even remotely worry about the playoffs, okay? I don't care what it is, where we're at. I don't feel as though we are on the same level as Alabama, as Clemson, okay? I honestly think that if we play those two squads, it's not going to be pretty, you know, at the moment. We need some more seasoning. We need some more big games. We need some more stiff competition. And we need to see what we really are. And we need to play these big games. We need to get over the mental block that we have got against Ohio State. That has got to come into play. You cannot tell me that when one team has beaten you so many times in so many years that it doesn't get into your head and it doesn't creep into your head because I know as a fan it's creeping into my head where Ohio State could be garbage and Ohio State could be obviously not what they are and it appears I'm I'm trying to listen to other people it appears as though Ohio State is in a struggle period they are they are really struggling with where their what their identity is their personnel they've got that's what I'm hearing to me, though, I don't even care. It, it, it still feels like we're going to go to Columbus and we're going to get beaten. Why does it feel like that? Purely because they have done it for so many years now. Uh, in, in such, so what are we, 12 out of 13, 13 out of 14? To the point where I'm losing count, okay? All I know is we got one year where Luke Fickle was the coach and we were able to squeeze out a six-point victory at home, okay? Okay. Um, that's not good, all right? So playoffs, 
ranked fifth, ranked fourth. I don't care. Okay, say we beat Penn State and then next week we're in the top four. Who gives a rip? Okay, we could go get upset by Indiana. We could go lose to Ohio State and not even play in another Big Ten championship. Folks, we got more things to worry about. Right now, playoffs don't matter. If we are standing in the middle of Indy, or, you know, well, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, it's not the RCA Dome. Uh, Lucas Oil Field. If we're standing in the middle of Lucas Oil Stadium on December 1st after a Big Ten championship win, then we can talk playoffs. Until that moment or that point comes, folks, it doesn't matter. Okay? Doesn't matter. All these things are is for show. Uh, big deal. They're going to mix up. They're going to move around. Bama's going to be in there. Clemson's going to be in there. Then there's going to be two others. We'll have to wait and see who they are. All right. Right now, doesn't matter. We've got bigger fish to fry. Let's go fry them. Okay? So, that's my take of the show. Playoffs. Pretty cool. I mean, again, like I said, drives ratings, fun to talk about. That's great. La, 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 whatever. Does not matter, okay? If you ask me, and I would like to hopefully say any Michigan fan out there, on I'm recording this on November 1st, okay? If you were to offer two choices, and the choices were choice A, you could be in the playoffs, Choice B, you could beat Ohio State. Which one are you going with? I don't know about you. I'm not thinking playoffs yet. I want to beat Ohio State. All right. Hopefully other fans are like that because I certainly know that Ohio State fans are like that. And it's part of that dedication and that level of concern is why they are kicking our teeth in for so many years here. Um, and it's things are turning out the way they are. We need to kind of get some gumption and, and change it up and, and hopefully rewrite the course and, and turn things around, get the ship pointed in the right direction. Playoffs don't matter. Let's get these four games, especially that last one, November 24th. Let's worry about that. All right? Okay, good deal. Uh, final thing for today, going to go around the Big Ten, uh, maybe pick some games. Uh, I broke even last week. I was 2-2-1 two, two and one last week, had one push. Uh, the uh, Penn State-Iowa game, uh, it pushed for me. Uh, the other ones I split. Two I won, two I lost. Uh, this week, here, what we got going on? We've got uh, Michigan State travels to College Park, who... This has become really interesting, okay? Maryland just had a pretty solid victory in which their offense looked uh, very, very good and had some, some good things about it. When I rewatched some of the game there, uh, things were very positive, I thought. Then DJ Durkin is allowed to come back, okay? Then the players kind of rally together and, and walk out of meetings, and it's clear that Right away, whoops, we made a mistake here. Um, look, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's easy to say this now, but this was a bad play by Maryland. Okay, uh, it would have been one thing if the decision was to let Durkin go, then you wouldn't have this uh, going back on your word and this hypocrisy. Now you look even worse. Okay, you you got rid of the guy. Uh, only because you finally got a, a sort of a uh, closer interaction and, and, and closer evidence that people were not going to be pleased with it, most namely the players. 
Well, then it starts to become, well, what, did you ask the players their thoughts in the first place? Did you get any input from them? Uh, because for him to come back and then for the players to rally around and, and walk out of the dudes' meetings, you know, I don't, I don't know the specifics of how many it was that walked out and, you know, who did this and who did what, whatever. But I do know that players walked out, which obviously means players were very against DJ Durkin being back. Now the t- the school brought him back, and uh, they look worse because now they're only doing it because all of a sudden other people don't want it to happen. You look bad. It's a bad play. Now, on the flip side of that, the good news for Maryland is if this was a player-driven issue, and it really was something that the players made happen, you know, and it was the case that so many of them walked out and so many of them turned their back to DJ Durkin. That could be something that players could rally behind, okay, and rally around. I don't know how much it played in, into the, uh, the victory, but if you go back to the beginning of the year when Maryland played Texas and Maryland knocked off Texas, you know, Maryland came out, and I believe they still do. They came out with the flag, the 79 flag, uh, you know, for Jordan McNair. And it, it was clear, especially after the game, players' comments and how immediately many of them said, this was for Jordan, this was for Jordan. Well, now we're in the middle of the year, and something else has popped up where players are rallying around each other, and they are becoming one. They're getting you, they're becoming united. This could be something that can bring a team together. I'm going to go with that. I know Michigan State looked amazing against Purdue. All right, I know that happened. I know they look like a different squad. However, I've got to think. Uh, Michigan State's a two-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going to go ahead and take Maryland to cover here. Um, I really do. I, I really feel like this is going to be a rallying point for the players and they're going to rally around Matt Canada and everybody's going to bring their A game. It's pretty much one of Maryland's marquee games. You know, I'm not sure if they get Ohio State at home this year or next year. Um, But this game's a big one. This is one of the the heavy hitters coming to College Park. And so this this is a big moment. I'm going to take Maryland to cover plus two and a half. Okay. Uh, Minnesota and Illinois. I gotta think Minnesota's got something going here. They're they're trying to uh, trying to get into being a competitor each year, year in year out. You know, rowing the boat, doing all that. You know, driving the yacht, whatever whatever crazy thing he's got going. Um, Illinois to me feels like it's fading. Uh, it's a good story for Santa Claus there and 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 what he's had rolling. But I gotta think Minnesota's gonna cover. Uh, they're nine and a half point favorites. I could easily see them winning by 10, 14 points. I'm gonna go Minnesota on that one. Rutgers and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's favored by 30. I'm taking Wisconsin. Enough said. I don't trust Rutgers to do anything. Uh, and until they consistently prove me wrong, I will always take the other school. In this case, it's going to be Wisconsin minus 30. Uh, big one, Nebraska and Ohio State uh, in Columbus. Uh, Ohio State, at the moment I'm recording this, they're favored by 18. Um, Ohio State's got an issue with, with giving up big plays. And, you know, Nebraska didn't look all that amazing against Michigan, but nobody's really looked amazing against Michigan. Um you know, Northwestern looked decent on two drives. Notre Dame looked decent on two drives. 
and you know that's pretty much it other than that a lot of points have been at the end of games and in garbage time and short fields nobody's really looked good uh, however Nebraska's starting to look better and they're looking better against decent teams offensively and you gotta kinda worry about some of these big plays that Ohio State continues to give up um, Adrian Martinez if he plays he can, he's a creator he can create some big moments and some big plays you know I, I think I don't think Nebraska's gonna win I don't think they pull the upset off but 18 seems kind of high. I, I could see, you know, Ohio State winning this one something like a, uh, you know, a 37 to 24 or like a 38 to 24 type deal. Um, I'm going to take Nebraska to cover the 18 points. All right. Uh, Iowa and Purdue, the final uh, inter, what is it, intra, intra, inter Big Ten game this week. Um, Iowa at Purdue. Purdue favored by three. Um, I gotta think uh, Iowa. The you know the loss last week, that's gotta hurt. It's gotta sting. You know I'm sure they want to get back on a winning track. They know that they're um, in a good position. You know they still can win the West. They still can get to the Big Ten title game. Um, you know yes, Northwestern controls on it, but Iowa and Northwestern are gonna play each other. Okay, so you could argue that Iowa controls their own destiny as well. Um, Purdue's favored by three. Iowa's defense looks pretty stout. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Iowa to cover on the road. Uh, the old road dog there. All right. And then a bonus game. This one is uh, this one is interesting. Uh, the old Fighting Irish of Notre Dame travel to Ryan Field and take on Northwestern. A well-coached Northwestern team. Okay, now the stadium is most likely going to be full of Notre Dame fans. All right, probably a lot more gold than you'll see purple. However, Northwestern's a well-coached team. This is a marquee game. Don't know if Northwestern pulls the upset off, but I have a feeling they cover the ten points that Notre Dame is favored by. So I am going to take Northwestern in my bonus pick of the week. Okay, I know it's not a an all Big Ten game, but it involves a Big Ten team and has massive implications for Michigan. Okay, you almost want Notre Dame to win this to stay undefeated to make our one loss still seem to be okay and not as bad as some of the other teams' losses. Um, however, we played both these teams, so you know, yes, we lost to Notre Dame, but it was a close one with Northwestern. So maybe Northwestern winning this doesn't look bad either. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how things play off or, or play out. <laughs> I said it right there. Play out for the playoff because, again, the playoff doesn't really matter right now. We've got other things to worry about. But in that bonus, I am taking Northwestern to cover the 10 points. Okay? <clears throat> so, got Maryland plus 2.5. Minnesota minus 9.5, Wisconsin minus 30, Nebraska plus 18, Iowa plus 3, and Northwestern plus 10. All right, final little bit of thing, a little bit of uh, notes is I would give my playoff ranking and the way I would put it. You know, I said I just argued, or, you know, I just made the argument how playoffs shouldn't matter, but I did also say that playoffs provide a little bit of content. And. 
what I do is, or what I did with this is on Sunday or Monday of this week, I put down what my rankings would be. And I would be, I was interested to know how it was going to rank or how it was going to relate to the actual rankings. Well, I was pretty close. Um, uh, very close. I, I only had one thing that was off. Um, I had Alabama number one, Clemson number two. I had Notre Dame three and LSU four. Okay. A lot of folks probably had the same exact thing. All right, this isn't exactly rocket science. There's only a few options you could have up there. However, that was my order. I had Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and LSU. I had Michigan five. I had Michigan fifth, which they were, and I had Georgia sixth. Um, you know, so that's that's where my ranking stood in terms of where we're at right now. Obviously, 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 all that's going to change. You know, Bama's got LSU. Michigan's got Penn State, uh, Georgia, and Kentucky. I'm really interested to see how that one goes. You know, a lot of talk about Kentucky. Is Kentucky for real? Can they handle the pressure? We'll have to wait and see, but it's a big opportunity for them. So we'll see how that turns out. All right. All right, so that is it uh, for the Penn State game coming up this week. Can't wait to get it kicked off. 345 kickoff this week. Um, the old Nittany Lions coming to town. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, reminder that this is the Michigan Realist, and if you have any thoughts, comments, or concerns about the show, don't hesitate to let me know. Uh, you can email me at zeltwanger40, Z-E-L-T-W-A-N-G-E-R, Four zero at outlook.com. Thanks for listening and go blue.